All right, good morning. Um, it is so good to see each of you. A couple things before we get going this morning. Uh, the first thing is, is that if you brought something to help uh, stock our teacher's lounge, thank you guys so much. We had a microwave that was donated. They needed a new microwave, so we got that taken care of. Um, we had a, a toaster fryer oven that they requested, and this was like on their wish list. And so uh, you guys have been so generous, and thank you uh, if you brought something. And we'll continue to uh, watch that and make sure we stock that for, the, for them. But they really feel our love when we do that. So thank you for supporting that. And then next week, um, we are doing a Sabbath Sunday. And let me tell you a little bit about why we do this. Um, because we set up and tear down, and um, it's, a, it's a lot of work. And so every now and then, like it's a holiday weekend, um, I think we take 10 of these throughout the year, a Sabbath Sunday, where we just take a break and give all of us a rest. Now, I'm not going to say it's just for volunteers. It's actually for Debbie and I, too, um, just to have a Sunday to kind of recharge. And I can't tell you, I'm going to get ahead this week, because Debbie and I have plans of, like, doing things around our house, like getting rid of junk and, not junk, but getting rid of things that we just don't want to have to keep up anymore. So we're going to take advantage of some of that. And, but here's, here's why this is really important, because... We really think there's a rhythm to life. And that rhythm is something that, I'll just be honest, I'm not always in step with or in tune with. And I would argue many of us aren't. We live very busy lives and we go really hard. And so it's nice occasionally um, that you guys would get a Sabbath in some way. But it's also nice that a church community would take a Sabbath too. And I am so grateful for all the volunteers that help us set up. And would you help me appreciate them? Because they are really, really faithful people. Um, and just generous with their time. And so thank you, those of you that help us in that way. All right. Um, I want to talk to you this morning. I want to do one more uh, go-around at this idea of recalibrate. Now, let me tell you something about me. I am drawn to the life and the words of Jesus. Like they are just so beautiful and inspiring to me. And sometimes what I think gets underrated or overlooked is like genuine affection for the character of Christ's life in the way that he lives his life, in the way that he interacts with others. Now here's the thing. Many of us, when we bump up against these things in life, um, we know them, like they speak to us at a deep level, and we go, wow, that's so true. So when we hear these stories of Jesus, and we hear grace, and we hear unconditional acceptance and love, when we hear a way of peace, or a way of goodness, a way of forgiveness, a way of being more generous in the world, there's something within all of us that goes, yes, that's the way the world is supposed to be. And not only does it um, in some way resonate with us at a deep place, I would argue that it helps us retune to uh, reality of what's real in the world. So, um, and I think we could all can have this experience of Christ and, and, and like seeing his words as life. Words as being not something that just give us theological concepts to think intellectually, but how about ways to live more fully human? and more joyfully, and with more peace, and with more love. So um, I'm someone that um, comes to these scriptures, and devotionally, I read them, like, for my own experience. 
I've studied these more formally, like theologically, but can I tell you, the thing that has been the thing that has held me is that I still think the words and the life of Jesus are some of the most beautiful ways for human beings to, be, to consider and to be invited to live. So you could take all the theological construct, um, and if I just had to live off of a few words of Jesus, I would give my life to live them because they're that meaningful to me. Now, um, we started this whole idea of recalibrate. Like, what are some small recalibrations that maybe we need to make in our lives so that we could be more in rhythm with the life that Jesus invites us to, the life that he says is possible? And one of the things that really triggered me, it was last year, um, the American Psychological Association, they did some research, and I I think it was 20,000 or 25,000 homes they did some research with, and they had this return back to them. This was the result, that 7 out of 10 adults are completely overwhelmed and stressed out. And um, 7 out of 10, so that means the majority of us in this room are living lives where we feel overwhelmed and stressed out. And so I got that report, and I'm like, that's just not good. But then I started thinking about my own life and going, I think I'm in that seven. Like, I live that way too. And I have come back. Today, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a prayer on the front end that, that is my prayer. Um, that's kind of a prayer against that research of going, this isn't good. Like, we should be doing better at this. And then at the very end, I'm going to give you another prayer that maybe we could bookend our lives with and... Um, uh, maybe we could trust this rhythm of Jesus. But so here's what I did. I took those seven out of ten, and I'm going, this isn't right. Let me compare it to the words of Jesus that are so beautiful and so life-giving to me. So these are the words that just have been working on me, and I thought, hey, I'm not going to let it just work on me. I'm going to let it work on all of us because the majority of us are probably stressed out. So just these words compared to that research. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live lightly and free. There is so much in this that has become a prayer that I think about every day. One thing, and I've taken different things out of this each time we've, uh, we've read this, but a couple things that just jump out at me that I want to remind us of. First of all, um, the band up here, they were playing with rhythm. What is rhythm? It's this invisible quality that holds the song together. And Mitch is a good drummer, so it helps that you have someone that's playing the drums that can hold the song together. But it's this invisible quality. The rhythm that Jesus is talking about here It's an invisible quality that holds our lives together. And friends, we need reminders of this. And this is why I think the words of Jesus are so beautiful. Because what they're inviting us to, things that are not um, heavy are ill-fitting. So maybe some of us have thought that a relationship with Christ or a faith has, I'm going to have to take on things that are heavy or ill-fitting. Jesus is saying, no, that's not what I'm inviting you to. I'm inviting you to something that's not that. Um, so learn these unforced rhythms of grace and learn how to live more lightly and freely. So that's what we're talking about here. So today, I want, I've been wanting to do this for years, and today, you guys are blessed. You're going to get to see a slide I've been wanting to work into a sermon for so long. Karen, would you put that up? Before we go on, 
previously on. I, I, any 24 fans in here? Oh, man, I got hooked on that years ago. Debbie and I got the DVDs. And, um, but I just love that. Previously on. And you're like, and even we'd watch them back to back, and we'd still watch the previously on. Like, they were so meaningful. But I've been waiting to put that in a sermon somewhere. Previously on. Um, I just love that. So before we jump in, I got one more thing I want to talk to you about recalibrating, but here's what I want to do just for a moment. I want to kind of recap everything that we talked about. Um, Some of us have been here, some of us have not been here, but just to remind us of these rhythms of grace that Jesus is talking about that perhaps, I can't do them all in a sermon series, but the the few that we kind of drawn out that I'm kind of been working on me and I'm looking at the people that I love and going, man, uh, I hope this is working on all of us so that we could live more lightly and freely. So a couple things. Um, the first one is this. I want to uh, read you something out of Matthew chapter 22. But the first thing we covered in Recalibrate was our relationship with smartphones and, and our social media and all that. And um, uh, Marianne came up, who's a therapist. She came up and helped me. I reached out to her. I was thinking about this. Marianne, like, I'm seeing all this research saying that our relationship with our phones and social media, like, it's getting uglier and uglier. Like, this is actually beginning to do damage to kids, to adults. And so I'm like, are you seeing these things with people you're talking with? And so we b- both put our heads together, and we took a whole Sunday and just talked about that. And uh, you guys remember we opened up our phones, and you could look at your screen time. Um, I don't know if you all know that, but you could pull it up. And if you were courageous enough, some of us yelled out how many hours we were on our screens. But we just looked honestly at the fact that yeah, there's this relationship with our social media and with our phones that maybe um, is a little bit unhealthy. And so, but I want to talk about, for just two minutes here in a recap, the relationship with our smartphones and social media with this text right here. And let's see if I can connect it. But this is the greatest commandment. It's found in Matthew chapter 22. And this teacher of the religious law is asking Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies this. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, here's the connection. How many of you know what fubbing is? Anyone heard that term? Anybody? I'm going to teach you all something new today. Fubbing is a phone snub. How many of you have been in at a meal or in conversation with someone and you're wanting to have a conversation but they're doing this. Anybody? Um, They're on their phone. It's called a phone snub. Um, Well, here's the thing. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was with a friend and I was looking around in the restaurant and everybody was on their phone. You know, no one really connecting with, I mean, everybody in the whole restaurant. And so I'm looking around, I'm talking to my friend and I'm like, hey, look, everybody in this room is on their phone, not really connecting with each other. And I look up and he's doing this. He said, huh, what would you say? And I'm like, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You're on your phone. And so, um, and I was, I was on him. But then this week, Debbie and I were having sushi and I'm looking around the, the room again, but I'm holding my phone and I'm talking to Debbie and I'm going, oh yeah, everyone. And I look up and here I'm holding my phone And Debbie's just sitting there looking at me like this. Yeah, you too. (laughs) So none of us, uh, I guess, are exempt from either experiencing phone fubs or giving out phone fubs. Not healthy. How could something that could connect us 
to people all around the world, disconnect us from the person right in front of us. Think about that. That's where I think this text comes in. Because what Jesus says here is, he says, actually, the greatest commandment is that you would love the Lord God with all your heart. You would love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the connection. Jesus is speaking of being fully present. How can you love others? How can you love God? How can you love yourself if you're not even fully present to yourself? Does anyone find themselves picking up their phone to escape something? Having to deal with something? And you find yourself just swiping? And listen, I know we're all, some of us have no relationship with technology, and God bless you. Um, If you're in that generation, don't pick up the habit. Um, But for some of us, this is a real issue. And so we just talked about this. You go back and listen. Marianne helped me with just some of the research. And there's a lot of good things. But here's what I want you just to think about today. Um, It's this. Because uh, there was a, a sociologist and actually a theologian. She said, what instead of turning to our devices, if we could lift our eyes to see where we are and who we're in proximity with? Maybe that would be a great act of our faith. If we would just do that. Instead of picking up our phones, pay attention to what's in front of us. So here's something that I've just stopped doing, and maybe it'll help some of you. Um, Do you ever find yourself just aimlessly swiping? Um, They call that doom scrolling. Um, Because the truth is, a lot of what we're scrolling, um, I don't know about you, but it just seems like everyone else's life is so perfect, and mine's kind of a little less than that, right? And so the more you scroll, the more you're going, what's wrong with my life? <laughs> Anyone have that experience? I'm just, I'm being honest about it. And, but one thing that I've tried not to do is if I find myself doing that, shut it off and just sit your phone down and focus on something else. Listen, maybe it's appropriate at some point to just consume that like that, but it's not appropriate to do that multiple times every day all throughout the week. So that's one of the things I've been sitting down. If we were to take this text seriously of Jesus saying, hey, what really matters here is that you're fully present to each other. Um, If you are going to use this, what if you showed up as a whole person? How many find yourself going through things and seeing things that are worthy of being, man, I should love that, or I should comment on that. That's something beautiful that's happening in someone's life, or you know, this is a, a moment, someone's birthday, or someone's anniversary. But you just find yourself, instead of celebrating and showing up as a whole person, kind of just not doing anything, but just looking at it. So for me, what I'm trying to do more of, if I'm just scrolling through it and not doing anything, set that down. If I'm going to show up, show up as a whole person. Do something good. Make a comment. Let people know you witness to that beautiful thing that they are celebrating. So that's just, to me, it's a better way to live. It's a more healthy practice. Comment. Make something encouraging. Okay, so that was the first thing. I'm... Uh, our relationship with our smartphone. The second thing we looked at was this thing called hurry sickness. And um, I became painfully aware when I was preparing for this that all my worst moments in life as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, was when I was in a hurry. I looked back on just how many moments I didn't show up in those spaces and be everything that I could be because I was in a hurry and going, yeah, this is something that many of us struggle with. And hurry sickness is something that we even feel when we don't have to. Remember, it was like some of the research was we just feel this urge to rush and to go. 
And some of us have control and can not be in such a hurry. But hurry robs us of this grounded center um, and calm to effectively show up to the things that really matter. So we just looked at, honestly at that. And then I showed you up on the screen uh, a Japanese theologian. He, he wrote a book called The Three Mile an Hour God and how God is slower than us. We're actually way faster than God. And if we're going to have an experience of God in our lives, we're going to have to slow down to catch up with God, not speed up faster. And so that was just like a real helpful thing. But then I got thinking, love is painfully time-consuming, isn't it? Think about that. If we're going to be fully present and show up in meaningful relationships and the meaningful things of our lives and love more deeply, um, you know this as a parent. Isn't love sometimes time-consuming? in a painful way. Um, if you're in a marriage relationship with a spouse, sometimes love is, you know, helping each other and working with each other. If you're a good friend and have been a friend for a long time, you know that some of this kind of work just takes time. And so we came to the terms with this, that God is love and God just goes at a different speed than us, but maybe it'd be healthy for us to slow down a little bit and experience more of God in each other in that. So we simply ended with this, slow down, Love uh, deeper and rather than live faster. So that's where we ended on that. And then last week we talked about just the gift of limits and margins. And I asked you guys a litmus test of this. Do you feel any of these? Do you have margin in your life? And it was surprising. There was very few of us that felt like we had margin in our lives. But if you were unsure of that, you know, we just asked some questions. Are you inflexible? Um, are you bothered by interruption? Um, do you feel anxious, not at peace, not at ease? Are you a little mad at the world? Uh, you find yourself just having these kinds of experiences. Are you short on compassion when you know you could have compassion? And then we summed it up with all this. Are you just unloving when you know being more loving is the right thing to do? These were all signs that perhaps we lack margin um, in our lives. Okay, I want to take this one step further, and then I'm gonna, I want to leave you with one thing new today. But last week... In regards to mar margin, I was talking about how uh, I had some uh, things in my life um, that I had to kind of come to terms with. I had people that I looked up to, and maybe some of you experienced this, and uh, because I looked up to them, I thought that I had all the same gifts and skills and capacity that they had. And so they became these mentors in my life that I wanted to, man, they inspired me. I want to live that. But I, there came this point in my life where I began to recognize that the expectations I was putting on myself were way higher than I had the capability of. Like there were certain people with certain gifts that I looked up to, and I didn't possess all those gifts or that kind of margin or space in my life to do all the things that they did. But what ended up happening, something beginning began to turn to me when I was younger and I was unaware of my own gift of, of limits. Because we live in a world that says, hey, you have no limits on you. Um, but the truth, my experience has been that we do. We all have limits. And it's actually health, healthy to live within some of those limits and to be aware of those. But for me, um, I went through this season of thinking that I had to live up to all these things. And you guys, it went south on me. It turned on me. Um, I became discouraged. And, you know, in a lot of ways was beginning to give up because I didn't see the gifts 
and the skills that I had. All I saw were the people that I looked up to. Now, here's what I've come to realize at this season of my life. Most of the people I live up to, I'm never, ever going to be able to do the things that they do. Now, they inspire me. They help me grow toward that. But I'm a little more aware of that. So a couple things, just in this idea of margin and limits. Um, Some of us, it could be we're doing too much, and we need to pull back a little bit. But can I throw this out? Maybe for others of us, maybe it's we're trying to live up to something that we were never created to live up to. And maybe that was put on us by someone. Maybe it was parental expectation. Maybe it was, you know, just out of the goodness of our heart, there are people that we are inspired by. We're measuring our experience of life based on their gifting or their skill. I don't know if that's true, but I think these two things could be happening in our lives. So do you need to create some space because you just have too much going on? Or could it be that maybe you need to be more in tune with your skills, your gifts, and hone those and work on those and develop them and grow with those. But we all have limitations. Now, what this led to for me, you guys, what I think it leads in our culture to is it just drives our souls to burnout. Um, And we find ourselves exhausted, unhealthy, not being able to be fully present to the things that we really need to be fully present to. So, we paused and thought about this for a moment. Okay, one last thing. And if any of those are for you, um, one of those you're struggling with, please go back and you can listen to the podcast. We covered a lot more in those weeks that could be helpful to you. But I want to take one step further and one other small calibration that I'm working on and maybe we all could work at. And it's this. It's acceptance. Acceptance. Maybe there is a path forward for all of us where we could, even in difficult things, we can open our hearts to to accept. Like, this is true. This is really where I'm at. I don't think I'm stuck here, but I think the journey of moving forward more healthily might be a more honest assessment about where I'm really at. That's maybe where God does his best work. Now, um, there is this passage in uh, Second. Uh, Corinthians. And this has just been working on me for 20 years now. Because it's, it's Paul. He's naming all of his hardships, all the things that he is facing and going through, and they're not changing. In fact, he's, he's having to go through all these things. But here's the most surprising thing about this short passage here. It does not end in despair. So maybe for some of us, we think that, to be honest more about our rally, maybe I know some of us are going in physical things. Some of us in here have got diagnosis of things that our health is going south. Those are hard realities to open our lives to. Um, But healing and going about that more healthily is not by resisting it. It's about, okay, where am I at? How can I invite God into this and then in some way endure this and get through in some way? But listen, listen to these words in here. He names all these things. He says, Rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God, 
with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Uh, Man, these words are so profound. And yet they're so hard for me, and maybe for some of you, to understand. You know what they call these kinds of words? They're paradoxes. They're paradoxes. They're things that seem like, how do those make sense? How, and Karen, if you put that up, first of all, there are these things that I think Paul is inviting us uh, here, yeah, to live by. These are things that maybe regardless of what is happening on our, out of our lives, these are things that can't be taken away from our lives. And here's a list that I just make from those. Hard work, purity, understanding and patience, kindness in the Holy Spirit, sincere love, truthful speech, being genuine. What would it be like to live the kind of life that was dialed into these kinds of things that can never be taken away from you? Because Paul seems to say these things are kind of what I'm grounded in. Some of the other things are coming and going, but these or what I'm kind of hanging my head on. This is what I'm rooting my life in because these things cannot be taken away. And then there's these other uh, lines in this that are just paradoxical. Dying and yet we live on. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Um, yeah, these are not easy And they're not easy to understand. They're not easy to swallow. But yet, it seems to be these are the things that Paul could face all these hardships with and says, I'm not in despair at the end of all this because this seems to be what he's holding on to. So, here's just what I I want you to think about. Is acceptance of life the beginning of something good? Not the beginning of... uh, Defeat, not the beginning of resignation. What is the beginning of something really happening in your heart and in your life that begins to move you through things and be on things? Because I think that's what this text is saying here. So if you think acceptance is resignation and giving up, it's not what the text says here. He's acknowledging all these hardships. And these things are reality, these things are true. But yet, he's discovering something in the midst of it that is leading him beyond it. So what is it? It's just the acceptance of what is. It's a a reality. How about this? What if it's seeing life in a wider perspective? But it starts with honesty and acknowledging and naming what is right in front of you. Because the truth is, why are these paradoxical? Because all of our lives have pain. All of our lives have imperfection. And all of our lives have beauty. One of the ways that I understand this paradox is the scriptures all throughout, they keep saying we're saints and what? What? Sinners. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, there are paradoxes all throughout these texts. What does it mean to be a saint and a sinner? There's two things that are true about all of us at the exact same time. And it's true of me. Um, I'm a sinner. Like, 
loving fully and completely is a problem for me. And loving fully and completely is a problem for all of you. Whether it's loving God, loving yourself, loving others. So if you were to go, what makes us sinners? What makes me a sinner? It's that i got a problem with love. And the kind of love that God's called me to live in. But this other thing is true of me and you too. The part that makes me a saint is the thing that is most true about me. And I would argue is maybe... No, not maybe. It's most true about every single one of you in this room, whether you realize it or not, is that what is deepest in you is that you desire to love. You desire to love other people. It's the thing that's most true about you. So the paradox is this. We're saints and sinners. And those things are going on at the exact same time. But it's actually the awareness of how those things are at work in our lives that actually lead to thriving and being more human in the way that God made us to live. So uh, these paradoxes that he's naming here, they make sense. We just might have to sit in the tension of them a little bit longer. Now, I I told you I was going to leave you with a prayer. This prayer has been so helpful to me. It's called the serenity prayer. How many have heard of it before? Okay. Um, And it starts off like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and everyone read this with me, and the wisdom to know the difference. There are things that we just need to accept that we cannot change, and we have to trust God in that. And then we need to have the courage to change things that we can change. Um, I just discovered, I was talking with um, Mitch this morning, I just discovered something this week. I've been living with nine years of a torment that this week I just got delivered of. Can I tell you about it real quick? It's this. Nine years ago, we put in a new hot water heater in our, in our house. And um, when it was set up, um, we began to find out where there's this release valve and the pipe that comes down. After it was set up a couple of days, water kept coming out on the garage floor. And so called... A plumber, and he's like, "Oh yeah, um, it's probably your uh, the pressure in your house. It's just spitting some of that. It'll be fine. Stick a bucket underneath; it won't be a problem at all." Like that just this is a brand new a brand new water here. Like why this shouldn't be happening? And but okay, so we stuck a bucket underneath it. All right, and then I started calling around, going, um, "Wait a minute, is it our water pressure? Can I talk to the city?" And so for nine years. Every couple weeks, Debbie and I would go out, and what would we have to do? We'd have to empty this bucket because it would just squirt water in it every so often. I know, it's crazy. And so for nine years, every now and then, I would go, is this a solvable problem? And, you know, I wasn't sure if it was or not, and I would do a little research. I would ask some people, a, a plumber say, I'll come out for 250 bucks and figure it out. And I'm like, well, I'm not even sure if it's a problem yet. And so for nine years, I've just been trying different things. Now, um... Uh, it started getting worse. Like the last couple months, uh, we started having to empty it every day. So, you know, we go out. And then in the last couple weeks, it was every co- We go out and there'd be water all over the garage. So finally, I got so frustrated and disgusted. I don't even know if I can do anything to change this. But I did what all smart people do, intelligent people do. You jump on YouTube and see if there's an answer, right? And so I got on YouTube and I'm like, there's got to be an answer for this. So I started watching YouTube and in five minutes... This guy had convinced me that I could do this. And he's like, it could be the the release valve. And here's the thing. Nine years ago, I asked the plumber, could the release valve be bad? Oh, you just bought it. That couldn't be bad. I'm like, okay, well, that couldn't be bad. 
So, but this guy had me convinced that I could actually go to Home Depot, buy the release valve, and take that thing apart and hook it up, and all was going to be fine. And so I told, I got up from the couch at 6, 5.30, and I'm like, Debbie, I'm going Home Depot. I'm going to fix this. She's like, what? Are you going to do it by yourself? I'm like, yep, I'm going to do it. I saw the video. I go in the Home Depot, buy the part, $21, come back. In an hour, I had that thing changed out, not one drop of water. I had a bad, leaky release valve for nine years, and I endured it and did not know it. Now listen, not only am I getting the joy out of, we're not going to have to empty that bucket again, and George, look what you accomplished. You did something you didn't think you could do, and maybe there are other problems that could be solved around this house if you just add a little courage and went and tried. But here's the deeper thing, and this is what I want you to think about as you go today. You guys, it was a reminder to me that there are burdens there are things that we are carrying that we could be free from. We just haven't connected to the right thing or our hearts haven't opened in such a way that we could believe that it's possible for us to live more freely and lightly. And this little simple thing has opened me up to a deeper reality of how I could live and grow some, accept some things, but what are we accepting right now that if we just had the wisdom to know we didn't have to accept it anymore, we could change it? So it's both those things, the paradox of this. How can we accept the things we can't change, and how can we have the wisdom to know what to change, what we can change? Now, here's the second part we don't ever read, and this is the benediction. If you'll stand with me, this is the part, if you go to an AA meeting or any group, by the way, I've experienced the presence of God sometimes more powerfully in AA meetings than I've done had in church. Hello, I'm a pastor. Yeah, that's sad. But that is the honest to God truth because there's more honesty and realness happening a lot of times there. But this is the second part you don't get in a lot of those that I think is so meaningful to us. Let this be a prayer over you as you go today. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking the world as it is and trusting you, God, will make all things right. That is my prayer for all of us in this recalibration that we would acknowledge what we need to acknowledge. We might find along the way there's something that we've been enduring that we no longer have to endure. We can be free from that. And at the very same time, we could find that we're not alone in this, that we're getting some help, and we could trust God when the way gets tough. Grace and peace be with you all. I love you all. Remember, next week we will not be meeting here, so take advantage of it in some beautiful way. I love you all. Have a good Sunday.